Hello, you're listening to the Mr. Money Jar podcast. Mr. Money Jar here. This episode is taken from an Instagram live and has been uploaded in its entirety. This means that some of what you hear may seem odd in an audio format. For example, there might be references to questions that appeared during the live, plus some audience interaction, and very rarely some swearing or audio mishaps. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Yes. Hello. David, how is it going, my friend? It's very good, good. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, yeah. Really today's uh, conversation. Same here, no, really looking forward to it. I know when we caught up before, um, we had a couple, um, had a couple ideas for the title. Um, thing is, I think whenever you put wealth in the title, um, people's ears immediately prick up, and wealth is is literally what you do. It's the company you founded, so um, yes, we'll cover the millennial angle, but um, also talk about wealth as well. So no, uh, sounds good. Yeah, um, do introduce yourself to everyone and and let us know uh, what you do. Fab. No, so firstly, thanks so much, Timmy, for having me here this evening. But I'm much looking forward to this conversation. So my name is Dave Pasayo, and I'm the co-founder of Wealth Eight. And we are a digital wealth platform that provides access to wealth and investment opportunities, access to global investment products, and the ability to learn the language of investing. And our mission is really to simplify the journey to financial freedom by providing the tools and knowledge that people need to um, save and invest in their future. Wicked. How did you get into that? What's your sort of background? Great. So, interview my background... I studied business finance at university, but I will caveat it, that is not a direct route into to what I'm doing, which we will definitely get into uh, shortly. And um, after that, I was I worked at KPMG, where I worked in digital um, consulting and within financial services. So that was helping banks bring out new products to the market or supporting banks to build like new um, digital products, either like reduce their cost internally or new ways to engage their customers. So that's kind of my background. But what really got me to what we're doing with Wealth Eight is um, through my journey when I first started uh, working and I, after studying business finance and working in finance, I always had this view that money or wealth was something that you, it, it happened later in life that I would I would start to save a lot when I had a lot of money, I would start to invest a lot when I had a lot of money to invest. Yes. And I would start to think about a future in the future. And after a couple of years, I've, it, it kind of dawned upon me that that's, that's, not, the, that's not the way it works. Um, everything starts in the present and there's a slow cumulative phase. And this got me looking into um, the kind of wealth space. And what I initially discovered was that like kind of traditional wealth management isn't really accessible and it's either you maybe need to have a advisor, you have to have a minimum amount or the fees are quite high. So, and then that, that, that combined with my interest for like FinTech and working in digital finance, I thought this space was kind of ripe for that change. And I then started to have conversations with my co-founder, Bimpei, who is a kind of family friend of mine, and she's a current wealth manager. And through our discussions, she also had this need of like, how could she provide access to her services to a broad range of individuals, from her point of view, particularly women who don't traditionally, she was kind of engaged with her. So through these discussions, we decided that actually technology was the way to bridge that gap. 
and then having kind of direct targeted um, kind of targeting a specific community using technology and financial education. So this year, and um, that about March, uh, Wealthate was uh, born. That's wicked, man. Who would you say your um, <clears throat> your key competitors are? What products um, are out there at the moment that the people listening in would would recognise? Yeah. That's similar to yours. Yes. So products we recognise in the markets: um, Nutmeg, um, Money Farm, Money Box. So there's been a recent rise in this day in terms of kind of robo advisory, which definitely links into the future of wealth management, yeah. where um, it's it should be accessible to all, and the way to make it accessible to all is going to them. And people have phones, so go to them on their phones. I think you were mentioning this to me before about how you meet people where they are. So, but yeah, those would be the kind of competitors in the space. Definitely, definitely. And um, if I was to sort of issue a challenge, it would be that there are loads of robo-advisors on the market at the moment. Yeah. Um, just off the top, because I did a post on this the other day, off the top of my head, there's Money Farm, there's Nutmeg, there's Wealthify, Wealthsimple. Yes. Um, there are even a couple of brands across the pond in the States, Betterment and Wealthfront come to mind. So what makes um, Wealthate different, different to all of the other offers on the market? Great. So they're really twofold. So I'll touch on now and touch on where we're going to um, next year in the future. So firstly, it's really um, the targetness in terms of we are focusing on a specific group and coming to them to speak um, in a way they understand, reach them where they are through some of the, tar- the, the marketing channels, the targeting and creating a community around individuals that maybe have kind of maybe been overlooked and underserved in that space. And where we're really trying to go with this is that actually there's a big assumption at the moment that all financial products just work for everyone across the world. So regardless if you're in, I don't know if you're in Nigeria, regardless of where you are, if you want a fund, a fund is a fund. And the hypothesis we have here is that this, that we all talk about innovation, the lack of diversity in innovation in, like, in, in all aspects, but financial products especially. So actually all these products have been created by uh, one defined group. And there's a huge group that have not been brought to the table in the discussions in understanding how are you spending your money? What are the goals of your money? What are you trying to achieve? What are these different nuances? And with this, all this data that we get from this targeted group is actually looking at creating new financial products. High level example, a diaspora fund, but, and these products will meet these specific needs, but also you may have, I want to have a certain type of impact with the investment products. I want to make money, but I want to invest in a set of companies that are maybe working in West Africa, for instance. So that's where we're really going by introducing new financial products to the market, but using data, that is deep understanding of our customer base to inform that. That's wicked. I'm very happy that you spoke about purpose as well, because I was speaking to one of my friends just before we jumped on the live, on, uh, we are just messaging each other. And we were both talking about what work means to us. Yeah, and um, we both kind of converged on this idea that work exists to solve problems that are in the, in the world. Like it's mm-hmm. not about making money, and that actually sometimes you get distracted by the stuff that makes loads and loads of money without actually exactly. thinking about what we're making. Yeah, but I think it's really awesome that you talked about um, purpose as part of your mission. Also, shout out to Andy I am in the chat. Thanks very much for joining. Um, Andy. Cool. Um, so. You, I'd like to kind of rewind back to um, what you mentioned about the way that you thought about your future um, and that you would save in the future and yeah. you could save when you perceived you had a lot of money. 
what do you um what's your kind of observations around the way millennials our generation yeah. money and maybe some of the scripts or stories that we tell ourselves about money yeah so that kind of relationship with money and uh, it's a very interesting one where firstly i always go i always ask you that question because it's one you have to kind of pause and realize there is like this is the, one of the biggest relationships you may have in your life because it interacts with everything in a day-to-day -day basis and i feel that um, millennials or young generation, given the impacts of social media or the connectivity and information that is just, just constantly in your face, mm -hmm. we are all kind of wired to maybe want and purchase and um, you can maybe make money to spend money. And you, you have to spend money, but spend money on things. And that uh, kind of, so that's, a, that's sort of one element of like spending money on things. And actually that taught that from the very get-go in the beginning, like when you start your first job, that it's not just about um, purchasing or things, that it's a kind of wider piece in terms of what you want to do with your money, which again goes back to purpose and everyone on an individual level should have a purpose. Um, and we are actually seeing now where young people will have certain, well, I wouldn't interact with this brand because of X, Y, Z, or I have a, a kind of a more of a deep connection to a purpose or a brand. So that's one aspect. And I go from my personal journey, like I had to really understand this kind of, I like to call it a conversation with my money. So in the very beginning, I didn't used to maybe converse. So like I would, money would come and I, I would do. And later down the line, if I needed, like if there was a bit of trouble, like, oh, by the way, okay, let, let's have a conversation right now and then try to sort some things out. But that planning of before the money comes, okay, what are we doing? So what, what are we doing this month? What do we plan to do next six months? Um, what won't we do? Because this is not part of our plan. Mm -hmm. And that really becomes that kind of deep relationship actually speaking and understanding this is a this, this, this is a one-on-one -on -one relationship that you have with your money on an ongoing basis. Yeah, I like that. So is it fair to say that prior to you having that conversation, money was almost telling you what to do? It was, I think I would, I would initially tell the money what to do until yeah. money would then be like, well, actually, you cut. there was maybe yeah. no money to do it. Yeah, but the yeah. money will then control what yeah. I was going to do. So it was this weird, like, one-sided, this back-and-forth relationship, which wasn't a healthy relationship, right? Because it's like, well, I just disrespect and do, and then it will come back. But when you have this mutual understanding, you start to see a much fruitful, um, and as a whole, it goes beyond financial well-being. It's a whole uh, personal well-being and just comfort and understanding. So... Yeah, and, and in all relationships in life, um, transparency, honest communication, and trust are kind of key to a successful relationship. And that's the exact same thing as in your relationship with uh, money. Yeah, love the metaphor. Um, and, you know, something I say a lot is, um, obviously, you know, being, being in this field and, you know, having conversations with people such as yourself, a question that comes up a lot is, you know, why weren't we taught this stuff? Um, and something that I do try to say is that um, actually everyone gets a financial education. It just depends on, on who and where it comes from. So yeah. in a competitive kind of consumer um, society, your financial education is going to come from the people who are trying to sell you stuff. Exactly. Or part, part you from your, your hard-earned cash. Cash, exactly. So, um, yeah, like, can you speak a bit about the importance of financial literacy? and? Yeah means to you 
And so philanthropy literally is like, it's, it's the most fundamental, probably one of the most important things that um, any individual should have in life. But it's, and the interesting thing I kind of found out about financial literacy is this disconnect between, because sometimes there's an assumption that knowledge or just general knowledge or professional knowledge equates to financial literacy. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't actually, like it may, it may help, but it definitely doesn't. And so you may be working in finance or in this space. And again, when you get taught in schools, like you may study economics or study business or study things that have that, but it's such at a very practical and theoretical big level, but like your understanding of, okay, this is how, what it means to your individual life. And this is how you plan. And this is budgeting and this is saving and the difference between savings and investing which funny enough I speak to people that the difference between savings and investing might not be fully understood mm -hmm. because it's both seen as a positive like well I'm not spending but it's like actually your savings is very different to your investments because your savings will get you um, a smaller return so yes you should save but if you depending on your goals there should be an amount that is invested because that will get higher returns it might be riskier but then don't put everything in the investment and the split between the two. Yeah. And then the other pieces that come in play, I know we've spoken about this before, pension, for instance, again, like, so all these different elements of positive, like how you use the money, but that literacy of the difference between the saving, the investment, the pension, the, and it's so critical because if you start the journey without that in place, it's, you are unable to, do, you, you won't be able to, effectively manage your money until you start to learn these things and you go oh, okay i've got that information i'm now going to take tax so you then change it's like a re-education and ongoing piece but it should be there from the very from the point someone starts to get make money or even receive money wherever that is there should be that strong foundation of financial literacy to help um, effectively manage it yeah totally We've actually yeah. had a question in the in the chat um, <laughs> yes. from Black Diamond Limited. Um, yeah. What's a good amount to invest right now? That's quite a broad question, but um, yeah, yeah. What do you think? <laughs> Great. So broad question. I always have like my kind of principles in terms of advice, and my advice is always how to start start early. So start now. If you're not doing it already, start now. And there's actually no minimum amount. So depending on a platform you may be using, there might be a minimum, but there's no amount that you should have to start in saving or investing so whatever so it's all relative to your um your total your disposable income so you take your income you go okay i've got my bills i've got either rent or i've got a mortgage i've got certain bills i've got to pay then i've got my upkeep food so there's certain things but then there's an amount that's remaining afterwards and you should set aside a percentage of that to start investing and over time you slowly start to see that that builds and then we're as humans we're very kind of behavioral when you see progress people react to the progress so if you start even if you started with 10 and you just put it put it put it one day you look and you go oh wow that's now 50 and you get motivated and then you continue to do it because you're seeing it grow so um to sort of answer there's no list there's no minimum amount depending on maybe a platform you're using there might be a minimum but apart from that start investing with as much as you can personally afford to do so um, and yeah, do and like ben don't benchmark against some absolute number. Benchmark against your disposable income. Income. The way, you, yeah, that's, exactly. Yeah, very sound way of looking at it. Um, and then if we 
yeah, thinking about your product, Wealth 8, I feel like wealth is like a really big word. Like even mm -hmm. when I was writing the title for this live, like wealth management seems like this huge kind of thing that even for me seems like really far removed from um, like my personal circumstances, even though I do invest and I do save. Yeah. So just in a nutshell, like what is wealth management? What are the different facets that make it up? And is it for everyone? Great. So it's first I'll start with I'll ask the first, the last question first. Yes, I believe that wealth management should be for everyone. It should be for all because everybody has finances to manage. And as well, it doesn't just stay with your finances. It also links into your kind of personal well-being, your health. But everyone should be taking care of their, taking this holistic view. And where I then look at it is that actually, so you're on a, you're on a journey. So you start with what you have today, which you need to manage it. So your personal finances and the kind of day-to-day. And if you, anything you're building, so if you're working month to month, you're getting income, you are growing, um, you're growing your, you're growing your assets and that might be income. You buy a house, you're growing assets. Anything you purchase, you're growing your capital, your holistic assets. And the wealth management is about managing your 360, um, yeah, your 360 view in terms of your finances. And I also like to, so that's from official wealth management, but I also like to kind of point out to um, your, your health well-being as well, which money does affect, does link in to start to affect that. And if you're not thinking about your kind of holistic wealth or managing your personal finance as well, it will always then start to have a negative impact on um, your personal well-being. So it's for everyone and it's really just having a plan like you should not go month on month receiving income without having a forward-looking plan that looks at next month the six months the one year and the five years and have a view on terms of where you're going what you're trying to achieve and making sure that you're kind of monitoring your assets on the ongoing basis yeah um what i do what i just building upon what you said what i'd also add to that is like when i was reading about wills the other month um, you know, if you're responsible for um, a child, yes, but are married, like these are all milestones in your life which have wealth management implications. Exactly. And, um, I, I asked um, my friend uh, Emmanuel Lusuko, like, when should you think about getting a will? And he said, when you have children or assets. Exactly. Like super simple. Just and, simple. Mm. And that really brought it home for me because. I was like, well, I'm like too young to, it's kind of like what you said, actually. It's like, I'm too young to be thinking <laughs> this stuff isn't for me, but mm. actually it is for everyone. I, I wonder if for, for too long, um, because we didn't have the technology, the gatekeepers were very happy to just service people at the very top, you know, yes. kind of incomes or whatever. But yeah. now, because everyone has a smartphone, and anyone can download an app and start investing commission free or from one pound is yeah. just democratized it. Now everyone can get involved. Get access. Exactly. And there's always one thing I always point out to wealth fans. If you're from, let's say you're from an extreme, uh, extremely wealthy, or <laughs> maybe there's like fifth generation down. There's actually a weird way in terms of that. 
the learning and not it's not a blanket rule but the learning of wealth management isn't necessarily something that's taught because the fact that money has been passed down all these generations that you can't receive the money without a form of like that nobody was passing on a house without there being an advisor involved because you don't just you don't just send give someone a key and go hey you know you have the key to the house of a child and in these groups so like if we're in our now in our positions where we're acquiring these assets and I think people from our backgrounds are now participating in the economic markets, growing assets, but as you said, okay, you're going to have children. Okay, you want to start ensuring that your children in the future will start to think and understand from a young age. And then you have all these milestones from a house to car to um, kids, all these, all these various different milestones, even the holiday, because a lot of people can save for holiday. I find that people are quite good at saving for holiday because it's, it's a goal that's like, okay, I can see it. And it's a nice, fun goal. Yeah. But you, you plan. So any milestone, it requires management. You can't just do it off the spot. For sure, for sure. We've got a question from Gareth, HJ85. Thanks for your question, Gareth. Okay. At what point do you start paying someone to help with wealth management? I've always thought that it's something for the richer. Okay. So, and I'll put it right. So with... You have financial advisors or you have financial coaches, you have financial advisors who are like you have some individuals who have a minimum amount that they will deal with. And as you said, that's their business model. So a very a Coots private banker may have a minimum amount before he speaks to someone, but that's their business model. You do have financial advisors who are more open to speaking to um, a broader group. They might not deal with you if you're just coming in with 1000. But the rationale is actually you may not need those services. So I like to look at it and go, it depends about the complexity in what you're trying to achieve. If you haven't started investing and you really want to be able to go, I want to put money in um, an ISA, which we can explain a little bit more later, or I want to start putting my money somewhere. You don't need, you, you probably do not need a wealth manager to help you start that journey. If you have one fund and you want to invest in a, you've got an extra 2000 you want to put in a specific place. If the digital tools are okay for you to achieve your immediate goals, which is I, I kind of know what I want, or I've got some high level, if I answer these questions, I'll be able to reach my goal, you can achieve. It becomes when your planning becomes a bit more complex. So you've, if you're fortunate and you've got a large sum and you're buying and maybe you have a kid head, like if, the, if it becomes complex and your goals are not as simple as, I just need to put money away and unless I need to start thinking about maybe tax implications of jurisdictions or I need to start thinking about, well, if I get this house and I pass it on, is there going to be a tax that my children have to pay? And in that scenario, okay, a simple app may not be able to give you the direct advice. So I like to look at it in terms of the complexity of what you're actually doing as opposed to the amount. Yeah, I mean, this isn't a perfect summary, but it's almost like, yeah. Once other people, places, or things start getting involved, yeah, complexity ramp, uh, ramps up. That's when you might look to start. That's when you start to look exactly. Help. Um, whereas if it's just you investing yourself into a product like an ISA, then you can just go ahead and do that because do that. the implications are on you. Although there are still implications there. And um, we had a follow-up question. Um, oh, thank, uh, a thank you from Gareth. You're very welcome, Gareth. You're welcome, Gareth. And um, we also had a question from um, Skint to Mint. What age is good to start thinking about wealth management? I feel like we touched upon this um, 
uh, like uh, earlier with the whole um, when you have children or assets point, but anything else you wanted to add in terms of age? Like if you're, let's say, uh, ooh, uh, comment from C. Amina, will this be recorded? Yes, it'll be saved. Yeah. To my um, let's say you are 13, 14, and you know that your parents are putting money away for you for education or for driving yeah. lessons or something like that. Is that too early to start thinking about it? No, so if if you're thirteen and you've you've got if you're thirteen and maybe I don't know at sixteen or eighteen you're about to get given a large sum, I would advise you, you you seek some management because this is not a blanket rule, but most likely if you were eighteen and you got given a large amount of money, you might not effectively manage it as best as you um, could. And maybe you may not be able to make some of that money even work harder for yourself. Because if you, you could take all that money and go, great, I'm frugal, but I just put the money into an account and I don't spend it. But that money could also be making you money and you could be benefiting from um, compound interest over time. So, <laughs> yeah. So in that, in that scenario, if you're getting a large sum, it, c- it could be possible to seek some wealth management. But I always like to talk about financial advisors as well. Cause it's not, it could be, depending on your bank, you could actually have access to a financial advisor for a, a first session where you explain. And from that conversation, they can go, actually, this is a complex or this, this scenario requires a sit down and some more thinking, but they can quickly go, oh, great. I understand your needs and your situation. Have you thought about putting it into this, Isa? And if you, when you've gone over your limit, have you thought about putting it to there? So very quickly, it could be actually a one-off conversation with that direction to support you. Yeah. And also two other things that came to mind for me, obviously buying a house, there's a wealth management conversation to be had there. Um, You know, you're taking out a loan, but often you're also taking out insurances as well. We had um, Sean from Mortgage Mind talking about that last week, expertly, but also something else that came to mind and is worth thinking about if you're listening um, at home is because of the way pensions are structured now for most people, we're no longer in this defined benefit environment where you work at a company for most of your working life and then you leave and then you get a final salary until you yeah. die. Like, basically, a lot of us are paying into this asset month on month, which once we get to, well, it's 55 at the moment, but let's just call it 60 by the time you get to that age, you will have the option to draw down upon your pension pot, 25% of your pension pot tax-free, and then the rest is like up to you. You can either draw down on it or you can buy an annuity. And like, there are actually serious questions to be had there, aren't there? No, exactly, exactly. And I think it's interesting in terms of, uh, if you look at this, what, this kind of side you're in now, we have more um, potential people freelancing. Uh, I saw, so I was listening to your conversation last week and how, yeah, if you're a freelancer, you're an entrepreneur, that might not just be, there's no automatic checking to the pension. And we found we're doing a big kind of customer discovery and it's such a large percentage of individuals that didn't even understand that maybe you can do pensions. One, understand fully what pensions were and how it, how it worked, which I personally think that there needs to be a rebrand of the word pension. Um, it's a terrible, it's like such a terrible word. It's, it's a very, it doesn't sound engaging. It doesn't, it seems... It seems it's not branded well, like that. Yeah, so I, I don't know um, if someone at number ten is listening or somewhere. It's really going to rethink how they talk about it. So there was that one aspect. Was okay, I kind of pay it, but I don't know what pensions is. But then, oh, actually, you can have a 
self-invested personal pension where you can actually take control of your pension by yourself, which is also an investment. It's also building wealth and it's a long-term building of wealth, which is also important. So that's kind of disparity, that knowledge there. And yeah, if you are working in a freelance or kind of entrepreneur space and you don't have this from a company, oh, you really should be considering that because it just means you're not currently paying, you may not be paying into a pension, which is so important. If you were going to rebrand the word pension, what would you call it? Like... <laughs> okay. That's a good question. I, I might spin this and say, maybe if, it's, if there's anyone that's listening that wants to type out a suggestion and what it could be. But for me, pension, it sounds a little bit like prison. It's just, it just sounds so stern. and. I feel like I just hear the word and I just want to go to sleep. That's how yeah, I feel. Like there needs to be, feel... Maybe, maybe something around wealth, because like, people engage with wealth for the next make it a little bit more like i feel like i don't know like personal investment fund or personal wealth fund or something very personal wealth fund yeah something that's like because that's that's essentially what it is you don't exactly access the money until you know years in the future but like you're paying into it every month it's yeah. growing all the time it's being invested in like real world companies same way you know if exactly. you're buying stocks and shares commission free on trading 212 or free trade or whatever like you're kind of just doing a more kind of active version of what's going on in your pension a lot of the time but like exactly the separate separate thing exactly exactly i see the fun fun that there yeah, that, that could be bad <laughs> or financial freedom fund because it's basically at a point in time financial freedom, freedom fund. fund okay boris i'm gonna uh, copyright that for me <laughs> i love me some alliteration as well yeah 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 We'll go, we'll go, we'll go number 10. Yes, uh, we've got a question from uh, Simply Budget. Hi, mate. What's your thoughts on passive versus active investing? Does the wealth management industry opt for active investing as there is some kickback obtained from the fund? This is a really good question. Do you think that the game is rigged, basically? <laughs> so firstly, I'm going to have to say anything. Else. This is not financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of to put a caveat but i again there's a big discussion right and i'll go where i come to simplify it there's if you're coming into the journey in the beginning you're kind of playing passive with kind of work with active funds and like a wealth manager that is, this is their job to do so and i don't, I don't want to give views on which performs better or doesn't perform better but there's a I don't think it's rigged, but there's a sense of somebody is actually doing, someone is working hard to make money and they benefit from the fund making money. So, yeah, I, I'll just say like, that was, that was like, you know, but I didn't, Bab didn't say those, those words. It's just, um, um, yeah, like, I think you, <laughs> you, go, yeah, yeah. you have, you have like a pot of money and then like you charge people, whether the fund as well or not, like I, you know, to yeah. me, that seems like it has the potential to be taken See. advantage of. Okay. And I guess a bit of it, a bit of people working. So it's, again, it's, again, if you look at systems, <clears throat> I don't want to move on to other like venture or anything, but someone is working. So someone is actively working on a day to day basis to try and make money. Well, I hope they're trying to make money. So it's probably covering the fact that someone is actually actively 
um, doing so. Yeah. Uh, we've had a few more suggestions for the pension rebrand. Okay, okay. Uh, <clears throat> the Fun Fund, that's from Jenny. Yeah. We've also got uh, the Long Life Fund from Gareth okay. and the Legacy Fund from Mr. DC. Okay. Um, all great suggestions, all, all better than yeah. Everything is better than pensions. I think, Timmy, I think we have to, maybe we make this thing for 2021. We start something to make the government change it from pensions because it will better, it will better society. It will get more people engaged. There'll be more money that goes into it. Pension yeah. is just not, it's just not the one. Yeah, we should add, yeah. we should send, send Uncle Rishi a DM. Yeah. Do you know what? Like this has happened with student loans. A number of people I've spoken to who, um, quite rightly, like it's called the student loan, see it as like a consumer debt in the same way that uh, you know you've taken out a personal loan, yeah, credit card or an overdraft, and they're just completely different. That they they exactly. can be, they can be more different. You've got exactly this, on one hand you've got this kind of high interest. You know, if you leave it, it will take you, you know, several decades to pay off yeah. type um, debt. And then on the other, you've got what's essentially a tax, which you can pay off if you earn over a certain a, amount. And it doesn't affect your ability to access um, yeah. credit. It's, uh, again, that's a great one. So it's, yes, it's just, it's, it's called, yeah, it's wrongly kind of labeled and doesn't help um, the common or people, again, which is kind of this disparity between people participating. Definitely. All right, cool. Um, just, just looking at the time, um, just wondered if you could, we could round off this part of the conversation with just, uh, yeah, just a crystal clear kind of wealth aids mission and what you're trying yeah. to do. And um, yeah. Great. So we're just looking to bridge the wealth gap and it's providing access to wealth creation opportunities to those who have been traditionally overlooked and underserved. So, and we're aiming to do this through financial literacy, but trying to kind of remove the jargon that exists within and kind of financial terms and everything to make it very simple and then providing a very simple and easy way to invest. So we'll be going like we'll be going on day one, we'll have access to a suite of BlackRock managed um, funds. So BlackRock's a global investment management company where you'll be able to kind of simply see the how much risk is within the funds and the potential return of those funds and go through that journey to then invest your money and monitor it on an ongoing basis and then in the longer term we're looking at some work on additional investment management houses but then as i mentioned the long-term goal of actually starting to create new and interesting financial products so you could uh, visit us on wealth8.com or have follow us on our instagram page we have just very recently put our beta out live and we'll be kind of working that process and be doing a big full launch um, next year. But you could join the waiting list very um, now. Okay, wicked. And I need to speak to you about the beta, actually, because I'm yes. very interested myself. Yes, we'll do so. Cool. We've come to the part of the live where I'm going to hit you with some rapid fire questions. Okay. That's okay. Of course. Um, nothing that will require a disclaimer. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, what, what's been your biggest financial achievement to date? Great. So I think my biggest financial achievement has been the point where I actually started um, investing. So it awesome. was, yeah, so I think it, and it was probably a bit late. I, I worked in the space, but I like 27 is when I actually started properly, had a deep, meaningful relationship with my money. I started um, saving properly, but actually then investing. 
And the important thing that I was able to do this year, I left my job to work on Wealthgate fully. And I wouldn't be able to focus this time and this energy if I hadn't started to save, give myself a runway of money, which ultimately I wouldn't be able to do this right now if I hadn't got the principle then. So it was really a very impactful thing for myself. That's fantastic. And I love that you're talking about the runway as well, because I think the trap, I saw a tweet once and it was just like, it was a bit conspiratorial. It said something like um, the people who, you know, the, the man or like the people in charge know that your monthly cash flow is your mm. weapon of choice. And so they, they try and get at it with just like meaningless kind of memberships and subscriptions every month. Mm. Like sales emails and buy now, pay later and like all these kind of attempts to part your money from you because it's, if you can save if you can if you can earn an amount of money and say and say you know save half your income for a yeah. year you can live that second year without having to work at all and then you can use that time to build to build that thing that you really wanted to exactly build. exactly exactly um and yeah you know if and if a 50 percent savings rate is too high then you know just you know, reduce, save for longer, same principle applies. Exactly, exactly. Cool. What money advice would you have given to yourself uh, 10 years ago? 10 years ago. So the money would have been to spend spend less than now. Like, I guess it's more like the purpose. So then I didn't have this kind of longer term purpose. So there was a lot of spending money on what I thought was going to give me um, immediate happiness. Mm. And is that actually that actually money doesn't, and I know people say this when they've got like, they're super, super rich, I'm not saying like that, but money doesn't bring you happiness. So you buy something in the very short term, you will receive a short term boost. So if you buy those new trainers or if you ate that thing, but it doesn't actually deliver that. And actually what gives you long-term happiness is knowing that you're comfortable and that you are not um, a slave to the next paycheck. Yeah. And uh, the fact is, so the kind of delaying for the future you're spending actually the longer term makes you a whole lot happier i completely agree i like to think of the way we spend money through the lens of maslow's hierarchy of needs actually mm. um and i think that the further down the pyramid you are so things like food shelter um security yeah. those are the things that cost money actually yeah. the higher up the pyramid you go the less money you need to spend exactly like if you're yeah. a creative person and your food, shelter, and security needs are met, then, you know, no, earning more money isn't going to, like, allow you to create more necessarily. Yes. You know? And, it, yeah. and, it, and won't, put, won't give you any, you know, won't say anything about your value as a creative person either. No, it won't. And then that, that kind of early age, people get some, can get lost in, um, and there's always a finding. What I always find that people always find it looking for something and trying to find or cover a hole or find something. And again, back to what you mentioned earlier about consumerism and there's this piece of, like, okay, it's Christmas right now and I don't know if you've seen any of the perfume adverts and wow, like you sit there and it's just like, oh, like, <laughs> yeah. spray this on yourself. Like yeah. you are going to just become this whole yeah. mighty and all the cars and everyone's going to come to you. So you're literally being sold and it's not true. Like, it's yeah, not yeah, advertising. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Mm. Yeah, that, 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 I mean, that's a conversation for another life. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's just armies of very clever people. Um, exactly. Of it is to come up with that stuff. Cool. Um, 
if you were to win the lottery, uh, let's say you were to win ten million pounds, how would you spend it? Okay. So first, I'll take a million. So I've always got this view that in my long-term journey, I've had family members and friends, some more prominent, some that don't even know the impact they've had. It could just be being there at a time where they didn't know they were even being there. But like, I've got put this list together and I'll send them all a personal note to basically highlight what they did. And there's a difference because some are quite like big things and some are actually small things. And send them a note. I, w- I would I would have liked to put a check, but obviously we probably at that point won't have that, but somehow discreetly get the bank out details and just say thank you because I wouldn't um, be who I am if it wasn't for that impact of them. Then I'd probably put about 30% into my, yeah, kind of Iceland or into not my Iceland, but like fine, funds that I'm kind of investing in. Then I'm very big into the startup community as well. So one thing I really want to do, and I've recently started this journey of course to the Andy of course um, angel investing school a couple of um, months ago now uh, we to invest in um, promising um, startups people from diverse backgrounds that other wouldn't have had that opportunity um, to do so then probably I've made last million I'm very into now yeah do some chance of giving maybe some gifts to the church I have this feeling that if you give you do actually receive and it's something I've learned now because beforehand I used to think, well, if I give, then it means I have less money. But actually, it's like the more you give, more will come back. So that's the kind of four things I'll split my money into. 100%. 100%. Um, just had a quick comment from uh, Fola Jimmy Kuti. Is there a TM on financial freedom fund? Um, there better not be because we're, com- we're coming for the we're TM. Coming for, we're coming, we're Rishi. Coming for- I'm re- I, we're going to send Rishi uh- an email tomorrow. <laughs> I think we need to TM it before we send send it to Rishi. Yeah, definitely. We're coming for the Gmail, the Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool, cool, cool. Um, what are your long-term money goals? I think it's interesting that you just mentioned angel investing. Yeah. But like, where do you see yourself um, in future? Great. So the kind of two things for me, I'm really, I really like to kind of live the life of, my passion is, um, helping people and I've got a real space in that kind of startup entrepreneurship music community where I see taking ideas from literally like an idea and a thought actually out into uh, live products and services and it doesn't need to be the big Facebooks it's anything so really it's to be in a position where what will make me happy on my day-to-day life is my job was to be working with um, entrepreneurs and just supporting them in an advised capacity but able to give them some capital to do so and work on various different projects that excite me. So things that I'm passionate about the mission, I'm passionate about the founder, and I just want to help and I enjoy being with them and I can use some money to support them. So being in a position where I could do that freely and wake up and that's, um, I guess that's my job as such. I can support them and I can support myself and I support my family and will be important to myself. I'm sure you get there, man. You're launching an investment platform in the middle of a pandemic. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure what will come to fruition. And uh, lastly, anyone you want to shout out and anything you want to plug? Great. So I mentioned before, do um, visit wealthates.com. And just want to give, give yourself, Timmy, look, this has been a great year. And I know like you've been providing so much needed education and like really simplifying it and touching on things that people want to know, need to know, ask questions about. So give you a special shout out. I'm looking forward to everything you're going to be doing next year and um, kind of learning from the journey. Thank you very much. I really like, I mean, 
<laughs> I like that question because whenever whenever I ask people it, I'll say like half the people go shout out you, and I'm like, okay, great. I'll just. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, thank you, thank you. Yeah. It's been a um, it's been a good year for both of us, and I hope a good year for the people listening at home as well. I know it's been tricky in places, but we literally get to say a massive good riddance to 2020 in a couple of weeks and then just keep it moving forward. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, well, David, thank you so much for spending the evening with us, um, for telling us about your product, just uh, some of your musings about um, wealth and wealth management and your personal um, journey with money. But I have to give you a special shout out for successfully rebranding pensions. Yes. Bring uh, it out. <laughs> yes. Just, uh, yeah, like the, there's, I think, the serious message behind that, which is, you know, what you call something is very important and it's, it's very important how people engage with it and how people use it. Trying to do so. Um, that's been great. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, thanks for everyone out, uh, out there listening tonight. It's been good. No worries at all. So, yeah, um, thanks everyone at home for tuning in. Um, we'll be back at the same time next week and um, with, with another special guest. and yeah, just wish everyone a great rest of week. I hope, um, hope your Mondays have all been good. Take care.